You're listening to the Iowa State Daily portion of the 2018 Iowa Watch College Media Project. I'm news editor of Diversity, Kay Rambo, and I'm joined by depth editor, Alex Connor. Alex, do you want to give us an explanation of what we've been working on? Yeah, so for this project, uh, we looked into how much college students spend on textbooks and whether or not uh, students think that they gain value for what their purchase is. Did the students that you interviewed feel that the price of what they were paying for their textbooks matched the education and implementation of these books in their courses? Very rarely. That was, you know, it, it, it was kind of, from talking with them, the sense that I got was that that was the exception when they found a textbook that they actually used. Um, you know, we spoke with several students that bought textbooks even from Amazon for a discounted rate from what they would pay at the bookstore and they're still sitting in the packaging that they came in the day they showed up in the mail. Um, you know, and, but it wasn't consistent. I think that's something that's very disconcerting to students when they pay that much money for a book is they're going to buy a book and it may cost $30, which is very cheap for a textbook, and they might use that book two or three times a week, which is quite a bit for a textbook. Um, they also might buy a book that's $200 and maybe open it once before an exam, twice before the next exam, that sort of thing. Um, and, and so I think, you know, in general, there's really no short answer to that question because value is obviously, it's, it's an opinion, it's, it's depending on who, who obviously is trying to assess the value of that textbook in their education. Some students in general need the textbook, other, other, you know, more than other students depending on their background, depending on other classes they've had and whether or not those concepts are familiar. Some students are a little more savvy in finding those resources. Some students have more time to spend in the library with books that have been held on course reserve. Um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, overall, students, the general answer we got was rarely. So Cody West is president of the student government here at Iowa State, and he is a fourth year biology major from Altoona, Iowa. So he has been this semester, he explained to me, was the cheapest semester that he's had for buying textbooks, uh, and that was because he is a fourth year student. He's finished a lot of his required classes, and so now he's kind of taken more gen eds or classes that are of interest to him. But he said that freshman year, for a lot of his uh, different classes that he had to take, he had to buy a $200, $300 textbook because he needed the access code to go do his assignments online, and without that, he couldn't get higher than a B plus in the class if he didn't do those required homework assignments. And so he said, uh, but I don't think you'll find a single student who would really agree with what they're paying for. This is what they're actually getting back out of it. It's weird to put a price on education like that when you're talking about a course resource, especially since we're already paying for that course. So why do we need to pay for that additional information from a textbook or for whatever? And so uh, I think that sums up kind of what your students were saying to you when you talked to them is that, you know, maybe in its best ability, this could be really be worth the price that I'm paying for it, but more commonly, it's not. Yes, that that was certainly what we heard, and there was and there was, um, you know, there was frustration from some students we spoke to who had to pay ninety dollars for a textbook simply to get their homework out of it, simply you know to do the assignments that they were required to do for their class, which they had already paid tuition for, it started to give students kind of this question of, well, at what point are we paying 
to pay to take a class. And I think that the, generally the, the sense that students had was, you know, they're paying for the instructor, they're paying for the, the lesson plan, they're paying for the curriculum, you know, and they felt that the homework and the assignments should be included in that, not an additional fee, because then again, you're putting students in this position of those who can afford it are able to do well in the class, and the students who can't are going, inevitably going to struggle because they don't have those resources. You know, what about Cody West's experience uh, with spending on textbooks? You know, what, what did that lead him to do as a student leader at Iowa State? Yeah, so he's been heading, uh, uh, from the student's perspective, uh, the implementation of open educational resources here at Iowa State. It basically provides openly licensed textbooks and course materials uh, that professors, uh, faculty, and students can use as supplemental material to the classes itself. And so when that teacher, faculty, professor is able to provide uh, OER, as it's commonly referred to, or even uh, get, get textbooks from the Open Textbook Network, then it reduces the prices for that student to be able to learn because they don't have to go and buy that $100 textbook. Something that I heard from everyone we interviewed, um, just the concept of actually waiting until you speak with the professor, until you're in class. We heard stories of students who would buy a book go to class a single time and then immediately return the book because there were no required readings from the professor, none of the homework was out of the book, and the lecture notes and the resources posted online by the professor were enough that they didn't actually need the book for the class. When speaking to Heather Dean, the course materials manager uh, at the ISU bookstore, one thing we learned was that required textbooks are listed by the instructor and that is a choice that they make and there's a process that the bookstore goes through in negotiating with these professors uh, that, that Heather Dean has been a part of, trying to get them to require less textbooks or require textbooks that may cost less, especially when they find out that a professor is listing a book that is required that students technically don't need for that class specifically, but the professor or instructor feels as though that book should be read. Um, so it's more of a suggested reading, which there is a classification for but Dean said that oftentimes people don't, professors don't want to use that classification because they feel the students should want to read that book. With the students that you talked to, what was the general feeling of a professor listing a required textbook that may not actually be useful in that class? Or not useful, but actually related to the course material? The students we spoke with seemed to have a lot more questions and answers as to why these textbooks were listed as required. Um, and, and as I mentioned previously, Heather Dean at the ISU Bookstore uh, told us that, you know, this is something that the professors decide when they're designing uh, their courses and they're sending their course material guides to the bookstore. So if you had to describe the general feeling that students had about textbooks, what would you say that was? I think most students actually like textbooks. They like to have the access to the textbooks. They like knowing that they can research what they're learning about in class further on their own. Obviously students didn't like how much the textbooks cost. Uh, you know, we spoke with a student who actually had to choose between textbooks because they could not afford the textbooks that were required for the course they were taking. Uh, you know, so the problem, I don't think students really have an issue with the textbooks themselves so much as how they're being utilized in classes, how they're being represented to students. Uh, you know, the students don't like being told a, a textbook is required. They go through the trouble, they stand in a long line, 
spend probably a couple hours in the bookstore to get these books, go to class the first week, and then find out that the book is not actually needed for the class. It's basically just recommended and would be good supplemental content. But again, you know, when you're talking about several hundred dollars at times, most students are on a fixed income, so that's quite a bit of money. One of the things that I talked to Cody about, and I found it interesting, is if you think about the layers of textbooks themselves, so you can get an ebook, and that is usually one of the cheapest options that you can get, but you miss the experience of having a physical book with you, and each student is different in what they prefer. There are some students who, maybe for vision reasons, prefer that ebook or they need that physical copy, uh, but that's usually the lowest price book. And then there's options for renting used, which is usually cheaper. And then you can rent new, and then you can buy used, and then you can buy new. And so there's different kind of layers that students can go through. So you find there was a preference in the students that you talked to, whether they liked to have rental or they liked to buy new, or what was the general gist that you had? Pretty consistently, students said that they liked having a hard copy textbook. Uh, there was, you know, varying levels of, of resistance essentially to having an ebook. Rentals were not popular. Nobody we talked to liked renting. Some of them had in the past. Um, but y students like to own the book. They like to have something that they can hold on to. They like to have something they can share with friends or family. Uh, you know, we had a student uh, that we interviewed who was a member of a fraternity, and he liked being able to share his books with his fraternity brothers after the semester ended, and he didn't, didn't feel he needed them anymore. And he liked being able to help them save that money. Uh, when speaking to Heather Dean, her, according to her, the information that they have at the bookstore, it's about price point. So whatever's cheapest, whether that's a rental, whether that's an e-book, whether that's buying a used book, whatever is cheaper is the most popular at the bookstore. So there's a, there's a bit of a conflicting narrative there being formed by the students we spoke with and with Heather Dean, who has access, obviously, to that hard information from the bookstore. Students, you know, every student we spoke to talked about liking the ability to make notes in their book. Um, you know, a lot of ebooks are starting to offer that depending on the platform that they're in. But then you're kind of running into that issue that most ebooks are on a subscription basis. So you're really, as Heather Dean put it, you're really renting the book rather than purchasing an ebook, which is which is the terminology we use. But very rarely is there a continually licensed ebook. You're almost always getting something for you know three, six, maybe twelve months at a time, um, and then your access runs out and you can't access the book. You can't see your notes anymore. And I think that's something that students aren't aren't particularly fond of after talking to them. Uh, I think for a lot of students too, it takes that. By the time you get to your fourth year, you experiment every single different aspect of how to do it, that by the time you're done with your school, you finally have the best process figured out for you, which I, I think is kind of a very, a very familiar trend for a lot of students here. Yeah, I agree. A lot of the students we spoke to had every year or, or even every semester, they did something a little bit different. Um, you know, students who had sold books back then felt that really it wasn't worth it because they're selling, you know, we had a, an instance, um, and I'd have to look at the numbers, but I, I believe the book was $68 and it was sold back to the bookstore for $8. That same used book was sold then again for roughly four times what the, what the bookstore ended up paying the student for that book. So, you know, something that we did hear about was students who would be selling the books to one another, 
you know, selling it to friends or classmates that they had contact with, because not only was the student going to get more money from selling it to a fellow classmate for $20, $25, that classmate was also going to end up paying less. So what we saw were students who, through that process um, of, like you said, experimenting and trying these different ways, they eventually just started kind of going around the bookstore because it found they found that it was both beneficial to them and to the person that they were selling the book to. Um, you know, and I think that's a trend that I'm not sure how far that can continue to go, but it's something that was definitely a, a, a regularly heard idea um, and something that each student we talked to had experienced in, you know, on one or the other, one side or the other of that transaction. Well, there's even like outside textbook buyback companies that come toward the end of the semester and they like set up camp in the dormitories or like in the Memorial Union or in common places to buy back textbooks. As students learn what more of their options are, it becomes, the process is easier to navigate. Uh, so for, how do you believe that the textbook model could be different based off of the interviews that you had? Yeah, we heard, um, you know, we, we heard different ideas and that was something I asked everybody we spoke to is how can this be better? How can this be better for students? Um, you know, and then speaking with Heather Dean, we kind of, you know, moved more into what's practical, what, what have we, what have we been working on, um, you know, and, and one of those things was definitely open education resources was something that, you know, maybe students weren't, didn't have that phrase in their mind, um, but that's what they were describing, were, were resources that, you know, were published under licenses that allowed students to access them. Faculty. And professors or staff, they, they're not too familiar with the idea of open educational resources either. Right now, at least at Iowa State, it's commonly known among people in the library, people in the bookstore, uh, some students who are deciding to become engaged with that idea, but it's still a very unrecognized resource that we could have here as a university. Well, and I think that, you know, a large part of that is, is obviously the internet plays a huge role in OER. Um, and the reality is that a lot of the professors, the internet being such a prominent, having such a prominent role in education is relatively new. Um, you know, so they're, they're used to, and especially if you look at 15, 20 years ago, the information on the internet was seen as you know, a suspect compared to something that you would get out of a textbook. And now we're kind of seeing this cultural shift in attitudes toward textbooks um, and online resources that you're seeing all of these journals that are, you know, uploading their archives. You're seeing, um, you know, periodicals that are, are free to students a lot of the time. So you're seeing these resources that weren't really available on the internet and and really this the internet has created the infrastructure that wasn't there so i think you're seeing what we're kind of seeing is students who are coming up in a more digital age that this idea is really not new to them every student we spoke to the internet was how they did research almost exclusively unless it was information that they literally had to get from the book whether it was a homework assignment in the book or quoting the book they often used the, the internet was really the first step for all of them um, you know, some students did consult with notes that they had from previous classes or just tried to see, um, you know, what they had basically on the, off the top of their head that they knew related to the course information, but the internet was kind of the go-to. Um, and I think, you know, 
what's going to happen is we're seeing more and more uh, professors that and instructors that are moving towards you know more online resources as Canvas um, is something that you know now we have on Iowa State's campus. It is um, you know kind of our standard interface for for courses online. Um, you know, and there's there's now resources that Heather Dean was talking about where part of the tuition for certain classes is the fee for a textbook that goes online and it's you know largely a process of negotiating with the publishers to get these these resources that are lower cost um, and the way they were basically able to sell it to the publishers was every student has it there's no choice whether or not they buy it it's part of the cost for the class but then it ends up making that book itself cost a lot less for students individually you know but I think I think largely the effort has to be made from from what we've heard, the effort has to come from both instructors and from publishers. And there has to be, and it seems at Iowa State, the bookstore is trying to find these solutions. And professors who are becoming more and more conscious of this and trying to help students are finding ways like sending links to summaries that they found online. If there's something in the book that students need to read, they'll send a PDF of that chapter. Um, they'll send they'll find a link to a study that's referenced or a journal entry that's referenced and they'll send that out to students instead of directing them to the textbook. Um, you know, and I think, I think that's an alternative that some professors are reaching because they, they feel that the negotiation point with the publishers just isn't on their side. And with that, it'll conclude our conversation about the Iowa Watch College Media 2018 project. Again, I am Kay Rambo, news editor of Diversity at the Iowa State Daily, and I'd like to thank Alex Connor, depth editor, for joining me, and I'd like to thank you for listening.